Welcome into Golf Betting On Demand. I'm your host, Rick Gaiman. And for the next hour, I'll be taking you through everything you need to know to bet this week's Zozo Championship. That's a brand new event on the PGA Tour. This is the second stop of the Asian swing during the swing season of the PGA Tour. Lots of different names we have for this time of year, but we are headed to Japan, leaving from the CJ Cup, which we are actually going to talk about right off of the bat here. I want to take a look back at last week's CJ Cup, the first stop of this Asian swing before this week for the um, the Zozo Championship, and then we're going to have the WGC next week as well. So last week, looking back, uh, you know, Justin Thomas, who we talk about quite a bit, I, I've mentioned in some of the off-season videos how I think he is going to have a massive year. There was a bet out there that you could lay, I think it was 11 to 1 or 12 to 1, that he was going to be the PGA Tour money leader this season. If I was willing to tie up my cash for 11 months, I would have bet it. Uh, I'm not, so I didn't. And he is off to a great start after capturing a win in his very, uh, I guess it's not his first start of this season, but here we are. He's already got his first win of the season under his belt. Uh, played absolutely stellar, looked awesome. From a betting standpoint, Looking back at some of the picks that we made, we were invested in Brooks Kepka at eight to one. Uh, our logic was that we were getting him at eight to one when he was eight to one at the Shriners. This was a much easier field. It was a no cut event. Um, he was able to try, you know, we were thinking he was going to be able to shake a little bit of the rust off. Unfortunately, uh, withdrawals after the second round. Uh, the official story is that he slipped on a little bit of wet concrete, maybe a, a, a cart path or something out there and uh, tweaked that knee that he had a procedure on during the off season. So he plays the precautionary role. He flies back to the States to, to get it looked at. So he withdraws. We obviously lose that bet. Uh, the other two bets that we made because we loaded up on, on Brooks at eight to one. We went with Victor at 20 to one. Victor, Victor Hovland, uh, played well enough. He, he snapped his streak of like 19 straight rounds scoring in the 60s. So that streak is now over. He finished in a tie for 31st. Nothing too crazy to write home about. I think he's going to have plenty of success this season. And then because we went from eight to one to 20 to one, we had to go down somewhere further down the list. So we found Luke List at 100 to one. He ended up finishing in a tie for 57th. Played okay. When you're throwing darts down there, you're certainly uh, not expecting too much. Uh, we saw flashes of Luke List, but certainly not the ball striking week that we would have liked to have seen. We did correctly again, uh, not get burned by any of the fades here. Jordan Spieth and Jason Day were our two fades. We will talk more in depth about those guys this week, but Jordan Spieth ended up finishing in a tie for eighth, uh, was in contention for a bit, but you know, continues to need magic around the greens, magic on the greens to get the job done. And then Jason Day, who came out and fired a really good round on Thursday, had me sweating for a little bit, uh, finishes in a tie for 31st and just never really got it going the rest of the week. But those are two guys that we're going to talk more in depth about this week for the Zozo Championship. And this is really interesting because the, 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 the PGA Tour is growing, which is a really great sign. And what we're getting is a lot of new events. I mean, last year, um, you know, the 3M, the 3M open rocket mortgage, uh, like there's just like more events on the PGA tour and a lot of new courses that we're seeing. So we're trying to do a lot of dissecting and figuring out, uh, how to handle these events. So here's what we've got. First time event. It is played at the, I'll make sure I get this right. Accordia golf Narashino country club. That's the only time I will say that during this show. It is a par 70. It's going to play 7,000 yards. It is just like last week in the CJ cup where there's going to be 78 players in the field. It's going to be a no cut event. So, um, barring withdrawal, barring disqualification, your guys are getting four rounds in the way this works is very similar to last week on the, on, uh, in Korea where, uh, the Korean tour got 10 exemptions for their players. Same thing here. The Japanese tour gets 10 uh, spots from their tour. There's eight additional sponsors exemptions, which include guys like uh, Matt Wolf, uh, Victor Hovland, I believe is on a sponsor's exemption this week. And then the major winners who normally would not have qualified, uh, Gary Woodland and Shane Lowry are in the field as well, lining um, the 78 player field. Speaking of lining the field, the course itself uh, very, very unique. We don't see anything like this here in America or North America for that matter, but there are actually two greens on every single hole. Uh, the way it's done in Japan, because their 
temperatures are so extreme, they a lot of their golf courses will have two greens, one for summer conditions and one for winter conditions. Sometimes they are different strains of grass that do better in warm weather or cold weather. Uh, this week, at, uh, I said I wasn't going to say the course again this week in Japan. Um, both of them are actually bent greens, which is a little unusual, but the PGA tour went through and they looked at the greens for each hole and said, okay, which one is in the best condition? We're going to use that green. The only exception to that rule is number four this week, which is actually going to play with two greens. So, uh, the PGA Tour has never done this before where there's been officially two separate greens that they can use. It's a, an A green and a B green. Of course, they will not both be in play at the same time, but one round, the pin might be on green A. Um, round two, the pin might be on, on green B, et cetera. So they will switch them between rounds potentially. We don't know what that split and what those pin positions are going to be, but the use of those two greens allows for pretty drastic changes to the fourth hole, making it play much differently from, you know, really even day to day. All right. Uh, what else you'll notice is um, this is a tree-lined course, which I love because you've got to be accurate off the tee. If you hit it, you know, 10 yards uh, off the fairway, you are in prison. You're, you're in a jail of trees. I mean, if you go look at like the drone footage and the flyover shots of this course, it is just covered in trees. It actually looks, looks really beautiful. Um, and then what I also love about it is it's really thoughtful. There is no one clear way to play this course. What you'll see a lot this week is, hey, yeah, you can try to take it over the lake and carry it 300 yards so that you have an eight iron in, but you take on all the risk of that lake. Or you can play it out to the left and hit something safer to a, to a, a natural landing position, but you'll have a further second shot. And you're going to see decisions like that made on almost every single shot. It's a really thoughtful player's course, which I like. Um, guys that are able to adapt a bit to the playing conditions and, um, you know, really feel out their game and see how it's going, I think are going to be very, very valuable this week. Additionally, uh, you don't have to hit driver here. So you can hit a lot of irons off the tee. Uh, you know, you could almost go four iron, four iron into some of these, into some of these holes, which I think opens up a lot of the field because you don't necessarily need to be a bomber. And then the greens are super undulated. I mean, what's really cool about this is we saw the Japanese skins game, which we'll talk more about throughout this show. Um, I guess it was Sunday night, uh, U.S. time where Rory, Hideki, Jason Day, and Tiger Woods played a skins match and we got to see the course early for the first time and see how it's playing. And it was really cool. We had a lot of insight and those greens look very difficult. Uh, you looked like you could catch some flyer lies out of the rough. Some of the putting was a little, was a little difficult. These guys were trying to figure it out on the go. Um, which I think is a really interesting thing that we never usually get to see on a Sunday night or a Monday morning, uh, on the PGA tour. So we've got a lot more information, even though it's a course that we've never seen on tour before. All right. I'll stop there. On the other side, we are going to talk more about that skins match and what we learned about the course, what we learned about the players. And we're going to go through the betting board to talk through each section uh, from the shortest odds to the longest odds. And we'll do that right here on the other side. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. 
So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand. I do want to talk a little bit about that skins match from uh, early in the week from Sunday night here on the West Coast of of the U.S. And it's so unique to be able to see the course in action for 18 holes, see how it plays. And um, I kind of mentioned it off the top, but I, I want to cover it a bit more. These guys were struggling a bit around the greens. Um, so, so there was, you know, putting off the fringe gave Hideki some issues. It gave uh, Tiger some issues. They blasted a couple of putts through, um, like like twenty, like twelve feet by. There, it seemed like they were having a lot of trouble on and around the greens. And while the rough wasn't thick, it was. It looked like it was kind of patchy. It looked like they could get some flyers here and there. They were struggling with distance control out of the rough. Um, so that's more of what I expect for, for this week, which I think is just going to be absolutely critical to be in the fairway. Not only because you're, you're going to avoid you know, the flyer lies or the patchy lies. If you're just a few feet off the fairway, if you go even further off the fairway and you're stuck in prison, you're stuck in jail in those tree lines, uh, situations, you're in absolutely big trouble and you're probably done. Um, we'll talk more about these guys, but I'll save it. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't really impressed with Tiger's play. Jason Day looked like he's coming around. We'll talk more about those guys, uh, in a little bit. Let's get to the top of the betting board here. And it's a start. It's a star studded field. Justin Thomas leads the way at seven to one, followed by Rory McElroy at eight to one. Hideki Matsuyama, uh, native, native Japanese player checks in at 18 to one. Xander Shoffley making his season debut at 22 to one. Jordan Spieth, Paul Casey and Gary Woodland all at 25 to one. And then 28 to one rounds out the top 10 with Adam Scott, Patrick Reed, and Tommy Fleetwood. What I noticed right away, and not even from the top of the betting board, but from this betting board in general, is that there are a ton of guys between like 25 and 40 to one, or 20 and 40 to one. There's 15 guys in that range, which is a huge number. It's a number we don't see uh, very often on tour. So we're going to talk about each individual uh, section of this betting board. And we're going to start at the top here with players who are 25 to one or shorter. So just to recap, those guys for this, for this section are JT, Rory, Hideki, Xander, Spieth, Paul Casey, and Gary Woodland. It's really difficult not to love Justin Thomas every single week. I've, I've thrown praise on him, uh, the last <laughs> month or two. Uh, he goes out, he captures another win last week at the CJ Cup. So now his last six starts are a win, fourth, third, win, and two twelfths. I mean, that is piling up the finishes. Um, he was 17th on tour in strokes gained off the tee last year, which is obviously going to be very important this week as it is many weeks. But my concern about JT is only a small one. 
is that he's a, he can get a little inaccurate off the tee. Uh, meaning while he bombs it, while he hits it a long way, is he gets a little loose at times. Uh, you miss fairways here, you're probably in trouble. Uh, it's probably not enough to get me off of him. If I want to bet one of these guys at the top, Rory or Rory or JT, I'm, I'm almost certainly going to bet JT here because of just the absolute stellar play that we have seen from him. Uh, you know, Rory looked a little rusty last, uh, you know, at the, at the skins match. It's one of these situations where he just might need to play a couple of rounds. JT has already performed this season. He's been killer. We've seen him dominate these, these no cut events in the past, right? I mean, he's this time of year going overseas. We've seen him on, on foreign soil and especially in these no cut events, dominate fields, did it again last week. Almost no reason to think he's not going to do it again this week. The guy's unbelievable. Um, after that, I think the most interesting is maybe maybe Xander at 22 to 1. So Xander Shoffley, we know he's an excellent ball striker. And I love, we've talked about this before, is that he gains strokes in all four strokes gains categories. And the benefit of that is he's rarely going to play himself out of a tournament. Um, you know, he might not have it for a week. Like when, when Xander has his bad stuff, he's going to finish like 31st or something like that, because he has, you know, if he doesn't have the putter, the other three aspects of his game are going to be fine. If he doesn't have the driver, the other three aspects of his game are going to be fine. So when you gain in all four categories, it really raises your floor. Um, so unfortunately you're not going to get really good odds on him to be like, you know, in your top 10, top 20 markets, but like his floor is very, very high. He's someone that, you know, if you wanted to bet him in matchups against more volatile guys, um, in this field, like Hideki's pretty volatile, volatile. Tiger's very volatile in this field. Like guys like that who don't have nearly the field that Xander do, um, are interesting bets because I, unfortunately, you're just not going to get the value on, on Xander himself at, you know, anything at all in like the top 20 market. We haven't seen him since the tour championship. So this is his first start of the year. I tried to go back and see, cause I think there is something to, guys making their debut on the PGA tour for that season. Um, everyone has their own off season regimen. Do they practice a lot? Do they rest? Do they do whatever? Sometimes it takes a round or two, a tournament or two back on tour, a competitive action to shake off the rust and get these guys back into shape. Xander has been a little bit of a mixed bag in the four seasons that we uh, have data on him. You know, he's got in his first start of the year, he has a 25th, a third, a 60th and a missed cut. So probably more bad than good there. Um, so it's kind of a mixed bag. Unfortunately, we couldn't find anything too much there, but I don't necessarily like Xander, um, who's actually going to defend his WGC, I believe next week, um, probably more interested in him next week at a course we've seen him, uh, win at in the past this week on a new course, not really that interested in Xander outside of any, any matchups against some of the more volatile players in the field. Then there's two guys who I'm going to lump them together because they're almost identical to me. Um, Paul Casey and Gary Woodland, both at 25 to one, are almost clones of each other. Um, you know, both gain about a half a stroke off the tee per round, both gain about a half a stroke on approaches, uh, per round. Both are fairly neutral on, uh, in their short game around the green. And then both are going to lose strokes putting Casey, uh, at 25 to one, you know, we've seen him, he hasn't, uh, he's played a lot more than Gary Woodland has, but he's played internationally. So we saw him miss the cut at the Italian open, but the three weeks before that were an 11th, a win and a third place. So he, he's, he's certainly in form outside of that one missed cut. He's played a lot in this PGA tour off season, which I think is usually a good sign. And he's just an excellent ball striker. This dude is going to be in the fairway, uh, more often than not. He can hit his second shots very, very close. Of course, his putter is an issue. Um, but if he can get that hot for a week or even just neutral for a week, I think he can absolutely be in contention at 25 to one. And Woodland is someone that, um, we haven't seen as much of. He, he kind of took some time off between the tour championship, but even down the stretch, and you see this a lot after a guy wins his first major, which is what Gary Woodland did at the U.S. Open last year, kind of struggled to get it going after that, um, which is kind of normal. It's something that we see quite a bit. And he looks like he's starting to turn it around. Finished third last week at the CJ Cup. Um, he should absolutely thrive here. Uh, Gary Woodland is a very elite player off the tee. He's a thoughtful player. I don't think people realize that because Gary is such a... Um, He's such a big guy. He can hit the ball so far that I think just by looking at him, 
everyone assumes he pulls driver and gouges it down there. You know, he bombs and gouges, right? Bomb the driver, go find it in the rough somewhere and try to hit a wedge onto the green. That's not necessarily Gary Woodland's game. That's not like, like that's John Rahm's game for sure. Uh, but Woodland is a little bit more of a thoughtful player. We've actually seen Woodland succeed more in weeks where he can take three iron off the tee, where he can lay back a little bit and put himself in position where he wants to be. And, and this course is not going to um, necessitate that. You're not going to have to lay back, but you have the option to, which plays into the hands of a lot of different players because now everyone's back into it. That, you know, um, because there's multiple ways to play basically every single shot, uh, it really opens up the field. So I like Gary as a thoughtful player, someone who can lay back a little bit. And those two guys are 25 to one, Woodland and uh, Paul Casey. And you compare that to the third guy at 25 to one, Jordan Spieth. And it's really not even close. I mean, uh, Casey and Woodland lap Jordan T, Jordan T, Jordan Spieth off the tee. They lap him on approaches. Uh, Jordan Spieth relies on that magic that he has in his wedge that he can chip in the hot putter. Um, you know, he goes out and racks up another top 10 last week, but he never really felt like he was in contention. And again, it just relies on the most volatile part of golf and of his game in general, which is that, uh, which is that putter. So those three guys vastly different all at the same prices. All right. There are the next tier between 25 to one and 50 to one, where I think there is so much value. It's where I'll be making a lot of my bets for this week. And we're going to talk through those guys on the other side. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand, and we're here at the mid-range targets for this week. It's the guys between 25 and 50 to 1, in which I think is absolutely stuffed with value. Spoiler alert, this is probably where a lot of my bets are going to come from because it is such a, um, I don't know how to, like a dense area of the field. You have a couple guys up top, JT and Rory, then it immediately jumps to 18. Then it almost immediately jumps to like 25. And then basically everyone down below, you know, a hundred to one, which is there's probably 30 of those guys is, is kind of dead in the water. Um, you know, it's a lot of the, the, the guys from the, from the Japanese tour, the guys don't really have a chance in this field. Um, you know, maybe a couple of sponsors exemptions. Those guys don't, don't realistically have a chance to win this golf tournament. But I think these guys here, uh, where it's very dense, they do have a chance. So let's start with, uh, 28 to one is Tommy Fleetwood and purely statistic, statistic speaking, statistically speaking, whatever, however you want to say it. Um, he's one of the best strokes gained players in the field and he is better than guys who have much shorter odds than him. So if you look purely on strokes gain total, uh, he's better than Hideki. He's better than Xander. He's better than Casey. He's better than Woodland. All, all of those guys have shorter odds than Tommy Fleetwood does. Um, another one of these guys who gains in all four strokes gains categories, which is going to be critical, uh, you know, week in and week out. He has that really good floor. Now my concerns are that he doesn't win. <laughs> so I guess if you're betting him in outrights, it's a little bit difficult to back Tommy Fleetwood because he has four pro wins and none of them are on, um, you know, PGA tour official events, right? They, they're European tour events, um, or some other tour and, and he plays a lot on Europe. We've seen him play, you know, since the end of, of the PGA tour season last year, we've seen him play in Europe. Um, then he came back, he played the CJ cup. He finished in a, in a tie for 20th last week, but over in Europe, he's got a couple of decent finishes. He had a, a tie for fifth. He had a 60th, a 60th, excuse me. And then an eighth place at the Omega European master. So he played all of the big events over on the Euro tour as, um, 
you know, the PGA tour season wraps up and he's just a really, he's just really good in all aspects. I'm, I'm, it's a little surprising that he has not won uh, on the PGA tour to this point. He was 12 in strokes gained off the tee last season. And he's another one of these guys, very similar to Xander, where if you're uncomfortable betting him um, to outright win this golf tournament, I think that's fair. I couldn't blame you for that. Um, and then he's probably too short already at 28 to one that, you know, his top five, his top 10, his top 20 odds are probably not going to be that good. Where I will probably target Tommy Fleetwood is in uh, matchups or group betting. So if you're new, we've started talking about group betting the last couple of weeks where books are going to take um, a group of five guys, basically, and uh, you pick which of those five guys you think is going to win. So, I mean, we could realistically see, depending on how this shakes out, we could see Tommy Fleetwood in a group with Sung J M, uh, Tiger Woods, or we could see him in a group with Paul Casey, Gary Woodland. Like that could be a group right there. Um, in which case Tommy Fleetwood might be plus 350, plus 400 to win. And he's certainly capable of beating those four other guys there. So let's wait and see what the groups come out to be. Probably not a guy I want to bet outright, but someone that I want to get a little bit of exposure to because of um, his great skill set and his high floor. So that's where we're at on Tommy Fleetwood. A guy that I would probably target on uh, betting against, unfortunately. So here's one of our fades is, is Tiger Woods, who's 33 to one. And I'm quite frankly shocked to see him this short. Um, we talk about it all the time with Tiger where his odds are so public and so built into um, the history of Tiger Woods and the name of Tiger Woods that he's always shorter than he actually is in terms of what his ex- expectation to win the golf tournament is. Jordan Spieth, the same, the same type, type of situation where, uh, you know, Spieth's long-term form and long-term resume affords him a 25 to one price this week and many weeks when we looked at it last week and he was literally profiling to be someone who should be like 65 or 70 to one to win the golf tournament. Uh, but he was there at like 22 and, and Tiger's the same case. So I, I, even though I'm shocked to see him this low, I still don't think it's low enough. Um, and really, I mean, quite, quite frankly, I, I actually prefer Tiger, uh, at this type of course. So, a course where you're not required to hit driver everywhere, a course where he can hit those low stingers off the tee, put himself into position, rely on his second shot, which he has been even so good at, even during this comeback and this, um, you know, different versions of Tiger, that, that part of his game has still been very solid. So I actually prefer him in these types of courses, but the problem is I saw him play at the skins game. <laughs> That's, that's really the big problem. It, it afforded us an opportunity to watch these guys play 18 holes on a course that they're going to play this week. Um, and it wasn't pretty, quite frankly. I mean, and it, and it, it shouldn't be, you know, Tiger, Tiger looked super rusty. I mean, all things considered, we haven't seen him since the, uh, not even the, the, the tour championship it was the BMW championship. He didn't qualify for the tour championship, didn't get to defend his title. And, you know, he had that knee, uh, a knee procedure done. So he probably hasn't played a lot of golf and it showed. Um, it might take Tiger a couple weeks to get going here, um, which I think is fair, but he, he just looked rusty, um, missed a lot of greens, didn't really play that well around the greens. His putter looked terrible, quite frankly. Um, I know they weren't keeping a true scorecard and they weren't really, um, you know, it's a little bit, di- it's obviously very different when you're playing with your quote unquote buddies in a skins match and you're just kind of going through the motions and your score doesn't really matter at times, but very, very possible that Tiger would have, uh, came out of the gate, double bogey, double bogey, bogey to start that, to start that round yesterday or, uh, at the skins match. He just looked absolutely terrible. So, um, I'll be staying away 33 to one. There's another guy right here. And de- again, depending on the type of groups that I can get, um, that really piques my interest is, is Sung Jay at 35. So like, like, yeah, baby, like we, we talk about Sung Jay a lot on this show and I think it continues to be well warranted. He just racks up top twenties. I'd like to see his top 20 number this week when that comes out or his top 10 number or even his top five number, because Sung Jay does a lot of the things that we really like, including win. And I know that uh, he doesn't have that PGA Tour win yet, despite being the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, but he's been very close a couple of times. And he won on the Korean Tour two weeks ago. 
And I know what you're saying, Rick, the Korean tour is not the PGA tour. I understand. If you look at the official world golf rankings, um, that PGA tour, or I'm sorry, excuse me, that Korean tour win he had two weeks ago was worth about the same as like a top five finish at the waste management, something like that, right? A lot better field, PGA tour, strength of schedule. So that's basically where that lines up, both impressive feats. Um, but what I like about Sungjae plays a lot of golf, never gets tired. Uh, and if you look at this season, which is the 20, what is this? 2019, 2020 season of all of the guys who have played at least two events, he's got the 11th best strokes gain number on tour. That's not in this field. That is the entire PGA tour. He's played like every single week. So I think he has four or five starts already. Um, so really, really good for, for Sung Jae. And what I love about him is he gains basically one stroke on the greens per round, his putting numbers for this season. If that number um, ends up being his season long number, if he can keep that up for the entire season, it would probably rank him first or second on the PGA tour. So just to kind of put it into perspective of how good his putter has actually been. Um, additionally, you know, you get him in, you get him for four rounds and he, he goes out and he can absolutely make a lot of birdies. He, he fills it up and, you know, to step away from the sit, st- st- wow statistical side of it and, uh, look a little bit into the narrative side of it. Um, it might be good for Sung Jae to, to, to leave Korea, uh, the pressure that it came with playing in his, in his, um, home country. I think he finished in like a tie for 40th last week. So it wasn't a great showing, but, uh, might be good to, you know, there was, there was so much anticipation for those Korean players to come home and, and, and one of them to try to win. And he comes back as the rookie of the year. I think it was just a lot of pressure to put on him. Um, it might be a little bit of a relief for him to now go to Japan. He's still playing well enough. He just won a couple weeks ago. Um, and you know, not have that additional pressure of being in his home country and trying to find a win. So really interested to see how he uh, relates to or reacts to that situation. And and we'll probably fire a little bet on him at 35. Uh, 33 to one, I see Jason Day, who, you know, we kind of talked at length about last week um, in a situation where we said, hey, Jordan Spieth has covered uh, Jason Day's really bad season last year, uh, provided cover for him. And now... We were waiting to, we were like, Hey, Jason Day has to prove it to us a little bit. And in a very little bit, Jason Day proved it to us at the skins, at the skins match. Um, I think you have to consider, consider it because he looked the best out of any of those four guys at the skins match, Hideki, Rory, or Tiger, which wasn't necessarily saying much because none of them played particularly well. But what I was very interested to see was how good his short game was. Uh, that was a major concern for us last year where Jason Day just wasn't very good around the greens. His around the green game, you know, out of bunkers, out of, uh, out of the, the rough, the, the fringe, whatever it was, looked better than the rest of those guys. And I think uh, that around the green game is going to be important this week. I think you're going to see a lot of missed greens, quite frankly. Uh, course, course looks like it can bite back a little bit and put you in some awkward situations. Uh, not, not even to mention that Jason Day is one of the most elite putters, uh, that we have on tour long term, um, which is going to be critical this week. And, you know, he, I don't know if it's going to be an advantage or a disadvantage to have to play an extra 18 holes uh, early in the week on a Monday where, you know, normally maybe Jason Day would have played nine holes in a practice round Monday, nine holes in a practice round Tuesday. But this is a course that no one has ever seen before outside of maybe Hideki and then the guys who are on the Japanese tour um, who don't have a chance to win this thing. And, and, and now he's played 18 holes in a competitive or somewhat competitive environment early in the week probably puts him at a little bit of an advantage compared to, to some of his peers. And then, I mean, very quietly and very quickly, um, Tony Finau at 28 to one is someone that I don't know if I'll get to betting him, but maybe in some matchups, maybe in some group betting who just very quietly has gone over on the European tour. Um, and then he came back to the CJ cup and has racked up a bunch of top tens. He's got top tens in four of his last five starts. So a ninth, a 10th, a seventh and a fourth. And he's just as good tee to green as a lot of the guys who are priced shorter than him, including Adam Scott, who we, you know, always deem to be one of the best tee to green players in the world. All right. On the other side, we're going to talk a little bit more strategy for this week, and we're going to get to the longer shot odds that can really return us a lot on our investment. So I'll catch you after these words. Are you ready? 
ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand. And one of the things I want to talk about before we get into the longer shots is this really this trend we've seen over the course of what feels like fairly often over the last handful of weeks or months where we are looking at a tournament where we do not have any tournament history. Uh, last week, we only had two years of tournament history. It's, it seems like with the expansion of the PGA Tour, we're getting a lot more of this and how do we handle it? Uh, I think there's a couple of ways to handle it when when you don't have course history, tournament history, whatever you want to call it, depending on what it is. Um, I tend to rely a lot more on the studs, right? If you just throw, you know, the 50 best players on uh, a random golf course all, all around the world, more often than not, the best golfers are going to come out on top, right? Without knowing anything about that course. Um, this week, more than most, we actually do have additional information. The, the Zozo Championship website is phenomenal and has um, a ton of really good graphics. It has the course overview graphics. It has hole by hole graphics. It has drone flyover footage of each one of those. And, and while we're not able to necessarily see you know, how fast the greens are rolling, uh, how thick the rough is from drone flyovers. What you can do is you can see how close those tree lined, uh, those trees are to the fairways, right? And knowing if you miss it by five or 10 yards, you might be in trouble and how that could uh, bring on uh, troubles for guys that can't hit their ball in the, in the fairway. Uh, or additionally, you can see that there's a lot of trouble greenside, for example. And, you know, if you're in a bunker, some guys cannot get up and down from bunkers, right? So there are some of these things that we can take. But then additionally, um, uh, adaptable guys, right? Especially this week where this is going to be such a thoughtful course. If you only have one game plan this week, you might be in trouble. Um, because uh, a lot of times in these tournaments where you see, Hey, I have one game plan. This course just doesn't fit me. I'm not going to play it, or I'm always going to struggle here. Um, you can kind of adapt throughout the week. I, I suspect a lot of guys might, you know, hit driver off a tee in round one and say, Oh wow, that was a stupid idea. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to lay back with a three iron tomorrow and figure it out from there. So guys that are a little bit adaptable, um, I think Gary Woodland is a pretty adaptable guy. Um, Rory, to me, as great as he is, I do not think him to be that adaptable. I think he just is going to hit driver. I think he's going to hit wedge, uh, maybe tug it a little bit and uh, try to make putts from there. But um, you know, some of these guys that are a little more flexible, I think are going to be interesting this week. And then I, I think it brings a lot of the field back into into uh, into play because there's not one specific skill set that's going to be required for you to find success here. And then additionally, um, I do think even the younger guys, the guys that don't have as much experience on the PGA Tour, benefit from these new tour stops almost more than anyone. Because, listen, I'll give you an example. If you're Victor Victor Hovland, every course you go to you've probably never played before. You've definitely never played it on the PGA tour in, in that type of environment. You don't have any history. Um, and that's what they say. I mean, the, the extreme example about Augusta is, you know, these guys like Fred, uh, Fred couples who always find success there because he knows every break and everything. Like you have to play it a couple of times, multiple years before you figure it all out. That's not obviously not going to be the case here because no one has that, uh, type of history for the Zozo Championship. So now it levels the playing field where even these guys who have never seen any course on the PGA Tour, like Victor Hovland, they're now back in play because um, you know the lack of tournament history, the lack of course history is actually a benefit for those guys because it levels the playing field a little bit. So that's kind of where I stand on this whole thing. Um, comes into a little bit here as we switch over to the longer shots. And, and as much as I love that 25 to 50 range, there are guys here in the 50 to call it 100 spot that I think are really, really valuable. Uh, and we'll start with Adam Hadwin at the even 50 to one. If you look at this season, 2019, 2020, he's only played eight rounds, but he has the best strokes gain total number 
of all players on the PGA Tour. His finishes should kind of indicate that a second place and a fourth place this year. But not only is it the recent form, it is the skill set that Adam Hadwin um has in his in his in his bag which is he's very accurate off the tee he's gonna hit a lot of fairways and he puts um i don't know how i want to say this. i'll say he puts well enough right he's gonna make enough putts he's 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 better than average he's not great but we've seen him get scorching hot at times right when he went out and shot that 59 at the career builder a couple years ago that is just an example of how low he can go at times, and he's in the midst of a really good run right now. Uh, additionally, the last two weeks, the two weeks that he has played, he has led the field in greens in regulation both of those weeks. So obviously the irons are working, but greens in regulation, as basic of a stat that is, um, also kind of comes from how many fairways you're hitting, right? If you're constantly in the rough, if you're constantly in trouble, it's a lot more difficult to hit greens in regulation. So the fact that that's kind of a two-part stat, you have to put yourself in position off the tee, you have to put yourself in position off your second shot, and he has led the field in both uh, in that category in both of his last two starts is really, really um, exciting for me. Not as excited. Actually, I shouldn't say this. Kevin Nas, 55 to one. And when I first saw that, I was like kind of super excited about it. But then as I dug a little bit deeper into it, uh, I became more and more concerned about rostering Kevin Knott 55 to one. So the big concern here for Kevin Knott is that he is uh, not very accurate with his driver. Like that's just straight up. There's really no other way to put it. He was 72nd last year on the PGA tour, um, in fairways hit, which is, uh, about middle of the pack, uh, lost strokes off the tee significantly. He was 159th out of, I think 200 golfers. So really struggles off the tee. And I was trying to find, because if you look at like Kevin, not has won twice since May. And he's won twice in like his last eight or nine starts. So um, I was trying to find a time frame to be like, okay, well, yeah, maybe he's maybe he's been pretty bad longer term, but let me find a range, you know, since his win that um, that he's been a lot better at. So I like I like shorten the stats down. I was like, okay, let me look at like the last twenty five weeks. Let me last look at the last thirty weeks. I just went back to his his win at the Charles Schwab in I think it was May twenty third, and I looked at it and. The stats weren't any better there. Like, like he, his two wins, uh, he lost strokes off the tee in one of them and he gained barely in the other. And what he relied on was, um, a historically hot putter to win the Shriners and scorching irons to win the Charles Schwab challenge. So, I mean, it was really one of these situations where he got one skill set, um, almost historically hot and, I, that's obviously very difficult to predict that he's going to do in any week. But if you look at his, uh, you know, standard statistical profile and, and skill set, this is going to be a course that's going to give Kevin Na a lot of trouble at 55 to one. So I'm going to stay away from him. Um, and we'll continue to reassess his, uh, his game over the course of the next few weeks. There is a, a another Kevin uh, at 60 to one that is much more interesting. So Kevin Kisner, excuse me, I almost called him Kevin Na again. Kevin Kisner, 60 to one's really sneaky. And I, and I understand it doesn't matter how sneaky he is, um, for, for betting purposes. You know, we kind of talk about that a lot in, in the fantasy world, right? Is depending on what his ownership is going to be, but it doesn't really matter here in, in, in the betting world. Um, we haven't seen Kevin Kisner since the tour championship. And at the end of last season, from the open championship to the tour championship, his results just got progressively better. So usually when I, when I read off results, I go most recent to, um, further back. I'm going to start the other way here. So tour championship to the tour champ, or I'm sorry, open championship to the tour championship, uh, 30th, 27th, 12th, 9th, and 9th to end Kevin Kisner's season last year has not played since. So we haven't seen him anywhere. Really good, uh, skill sets for, Kisner are the fact that he is deadly accurate off the tee, 15th on the PGA Tour last season, not in this field, last season on tour in hitting fairways, which is going to put you in prime position for this week. And then um, 20th in strokes gained putting. So one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. And those are two things that I think are going to be critically important. And we haven't really talked about this yet, but um, if you're looking at, at comp courses, courses that 
would be similar to the one that we're going to see this week at the Zozo Championship. The first one that comes to mind is is Harbortown and the RBC Heritage because uh, you have to be very accurate off the tee. It's it's tree lined fairways. They tend to have uh, Harbortown probably has smaller greens because it's probably the small screens on the PGA Tour. Um, but that would be a similar type comp course if you're looking for uh, accuracy needed off the tee and. If you look at Kisner at Harbortown, he's got three top tens there in like the last five years. So, I mean, uh, this is the type of course that you would expect to set up for someone with the same exact kills, uh, skill set as Kevin Kisner. You get him at 60 to one, and we're starting to get into the range where, you know, these are probably the lowest odds that you can go that these guys or the longest odds you can go that these guys might have a chance to win this golf tournament. Um, you know, we've seen Kevin Kisner get in the winner's circle before on PGA Tour, so we know he can do it. Um, but I would also look to get Kevin Kisner in top five, top 10 type situations because uh, it might be a big ask for him this far down in a deep field to go out and win. But I really like his prospects for this week. And additionally, someone kind of similar to the the skill set and profile of of Kevin Kisner is Ryan Moore. Uh, Ryan Moore is a little bit longer, 66 to one, but uh, in a similar sense to Kevin Kisner, he's going to hit almost every single fairway. Uh, Ryan Moore is second on the PGA Tour in fairway in um, yeah fairway accuracy, driving accuracy, and he is 16th on tour in strokes gained approach. So when you combine those two ball striking numbers. Um, you're, you're, you're in for a really good situation where you're just hitting from the short grass over and over again. Of course, now, if I give you those stats and he's 66 to one, you know, there's going to be flaws in his game or else he wouldn't be. If, if you were, you know, first off the tee and, and first off approaches, uh, and you were good everywhere else, you'd be, you'd be, you know, Tiger Woods in his prime. Uh, but he's not. So, so the, the issue with Ryan Moore is that he can't putt, obviously. Uh, but the, the short term, uh, positive aspect of that is he gained strokes putting uh, the last time we had shot link data, which was the Shriners. So a couple weeks ago, he finished um, 13th, which is great for Ryan Moore. And we don't have the strokes gained data for the CJ Cup. Um, if you remember last week, there is no shot link data. That shot link data is used to do all of the strokes gained information. So we do not have that for, for the CJ Cup. But if you look at just kind of the raw stats for last week, Ryan Moore ranked fifth in scrambling, which I think is going to be very important this week, being able to get up and down when you do inevitably miss the green. And he was 23rd in putts per green in regulation. He ended up finishing eighth. So he's got two pretty good uh, finishes in a row. And, you know, that, that putting stat, uh, 23rd for putts per green in regulation. Well, that's good because you know Ryan Moore is going to hit a lot of greens in regulation because he's one of the best iron players and one of the best ball strikers in the field. And then it seems as if at least over the past couple of weeks, he has putted better than what we know Ryan Moore's uh, long-term putting profile is. So he's someone at 66 to one that I think could be very interesting as well if he could catch a little bit of a hot putter. Uh, let's see who else we have here. I think there's, uh, you know, the obligatory Ches Reeve mention here. I'll try to make it quick. He's, he's 75 to one. He's the most accurate driver in golf bar none. He, he hits more fairways than anybody on tour. He is 13th in approaches. I understand that he has struggled recently. Um, you know, he's, he's, we got a 46th, a miscut, and a 33rd in three events that you would expect him to do a lot better than that in to start his 2019-2020 season. But that start has allowed his price to be driven all the way down here to 75 to one, which gives him uh, a lot more value. Again, he's he won at the Travelers Championship last year, so he has a win under his belt recently. This should be a course that sets up really well for him. You are getting um, you're getting that. I don't want to call it a discount, but you're getting the value on him down here where, you know, he continues to sink, right? He think he was 50 or 60 to one last week. He's 75 to one this week. Uh, same skill set, probably better course for him. And then speaking of skill set, you know, Emiliano Grio, also 75 to one, super accurate elite ball striker. And if you're looking for someone who can't putt, Grio is right up your alley there. If he catches fire for a week, he's going to run away with this thing. So uh, those are the guys that I'm looking for in the 50 to 75 range. And we are going to go through the guys that I have actually wagered money on, put my money on the line, and I will reveal my betting slip right here on the other side.
Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand, and now it's time to reveal my betting slip for this week. Uh, it's a little bit early, but here's where we are going so far. Um, I, For the first time in a long time, I've avoided the top of this betting board, which is something I had done historically in the past, but since the new PGA Tour season had started, you know, you re- the, the fields have been so weak that it's been tough to kind of avoid the guys at the top. But I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be able to do it this week. So I'm starting my betting slip at 25 to one, where I've got two ads: uh, Paul Casey and Gary Woodland. Uh, talked about them in depth here on today's show, and it's it's one of these situations where they both have a really good skill set for this course. Um, you know, be accurate off the tee, be able to hit your approaches, and. Um, you know, get, get a hot putter for a little bit. Gary Woodland has shown a little bit more signs of life. I like that he's able to kind of lay back off the tee at times with, with long irons. I think that really is going to be able to suit his game. So I've added those two at 25 to one. Then I've got Adam Hadwin at 50. Uh, Hadwin is just one of the hotter players on the tour right now. Only two starts this season, but he's been absolutely spectacular. Uh, he's been, he's been firing darts. He's been hitting a lot of greens. He's going to hit a lot of fairways. He can putt, uh, the lights out, uh, at times. So, so we'll, we'll see about Adam Hadwin and if he can get hot for a couple of rounds here and put himself into contention. And then the kind of the really sneaky one is Kevin Kisner, uh, 60 to one where he is going to be able to hit a lot of fairways. Uh, again, a really good putter. The, the only comp course that we have, which is probably Harbor town, RBC heritage. He has, uh, Kisner has three top tens finishes there over the last handful of years. So it just feels like a really good fit when you have to be deadly accurate off the tee. That's kind of right up. Uh, Kevin Kisner's alley. And then I've got a couple other guys that, um, wait and see, I'll, I'll wait and see when the, when the additional odds, uh, come out later in the week. But, you know, looking at someone like a Tommy Fleetwood or a Xander Shoffley in group betting, uh, hopefully they are in two different groups because I'd like to bet both of them, um, because they have such high floors because they gain strokes in, uh, all four categories. One of these situations where, you know, I, I, I want to get access to them in some type of group betting and then probably get like Sung J M in like top five or top 10 bets. Uh, cause I think he has a lot of upside this week being, uh, in Japan and playing well. So there you go. That's it. It is the Zozo Championship from Japan. We've talked about everything you need to know for betting this week. I'm Rick Gaiman. Tweet me. It is at Rick Run Good, and I'll see you next week.